Okay, let's uh, go ahead and, and get started then. Uh, if, if you guys could um, uh, mute your phone on your end, please. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so let's uh, ask God's blessing upon our Bible study this evening. So let's stand and seek his face. Our Lord, apart from thy blessing, we are simply reading words and, and speaking back uh, one to another. It's no more than a lecture. It's not really uh, the Spirit of God that is instructing and teaching us. But, Lord, calling upon Thee, even now, that Thou would open our hearts and our minds to Thy truth. Uh, Lord, this uh, indeed is what we desire, uh, to be led by uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, who is the Good Shepherd. Forgive us, Lord, we're, and we have... Uh, offended thee, sinned against thee, that, Lord, uh, the, our sin would not in any way hinder our understanding. We thank thee again for this opportunity and pray thy uh, presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 10, verses 27 through 31. Once again, John 10, verses 27 through 31. My sheep... Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. The Lord Jesus has just made clear uh, to the Jewish religious leaders that they are not his sheep. In verse 26, But ye believe not because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. In fact, Jesus says the reason they don't believe in him is because they are not his sheep. Jesus is saying basically that the evidence that they were never given to him as his sheep in order to save is that they do not believe in him. On the other hand, an evidence that we were given to Jesus to save even from all eternity, is that we do believe in Jesus. The reason we believe is because 
God gave us to the Son even from eternity. That was a part of what is called the covenant of grace that the Father gave to the Son those whom the Son would rescue and save because he set his love upon us to rescue and save. And so faith is the evidence that, in fact, God did give us to Jesus to rescue and save. Unbelief, continued and unrepentant unbelief is an evidence that God did not give. The Father did not give those to the Son to rescue and save because, as he says here to the Jewish religious leaders, why did they not believe? Because you're not of my sheep. You were never given to me uh, by the Father to save and to rescue. <clears throat> Here we again come to verse 27, uh, as we've already read it, continuing with the thought of what was just said to the Pharisees in verse 26. Again, once, once again, but you believe not because you are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Now, what, what are some of the characteristics? Here are two characteristics, uh, evidences, uh, that we are uh, his sheep. So let us look at these uh, very necessary evidences that we are his sheep. First of all, in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. That doesn't mean that uh, the sheep merely have the natural hearing, that they just hear the voice of Jesus Christ um, with their natural ears. Um, this is talking about a hearing of Jesus Christ that is uh, effective, efficacious, that they hear with faith. They don't hear simply and turn it off, resist it, uh, walk away from it, but they hear with faith and with belief. So this is the first characteristic of those who are his sheep is that they hear his voice. Many people will sit in, you know, a congregation and they, they hear Christ's word preached. Uh, they hear it uh, perhaps at home as well. Perhaps they are raised with hearing uh, God's word and that's Christ speaking when it is God's word that is read, when it is God's word that is preached. But that's, that's not the type of hearing that Jesus is here talking about, to hear my sheep, hear my voice. In this sense, again, as I said, this is to hear with faith and with repentance. The kind of hearing that Jesus is talking about here in John 1027 is also the kind of hearing that we find in John 524 
in John 5, 24, where we read, this is the Lord Jesus speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death unto life. So here, to hear Christ's word is to believe on him that sent him, to believe on the Father, to believe in the Son. So there, again, I think we, we see clearly the meaning of hearing. Likewise, in John eight forty seven. he that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Very similar to what he's saying in John 10, 26, but, but ye believe not because you're not of my sheep, as I said unto you. Very similar. The reason, back in John eight forty seven, the reason that uh, they hear, he says, is because uh, you are of God. You are born of God. And because you're born of God, you will hear. You will hear with faith. You'll hear with repentance. But the reason you don't hear with faith and repentance is because you're not born of God. So an evidence of being born of God is, again, we believe and we repent of our sin. We turn from our sin. We will not walk in unrepentant sin. We will, um, the Lord will convict us. We will say, I can't live this way. I've got to repent. I've got to uh, please the Lord. And so that, that is an evidence, again, of those who are Christ's sheep. They, they hear his voice. This also emphasizes the fact that his true sheep hear his voice. It also emphasizes that Jesus uh, first must speak and we respond. So it's, we, we can't respond until he speaks uh, his, his word to us efficaciously. So when that word is spoken to us by Christ and awakens us and gives us life, then we respond by way of faith and repentance. And so it, it shows here the priority of Christ speaking and then us hearing with faith. First he must speak unto us and then we respond by hearing uh, in faith and in repentance. Jesus also says here concerning his sheep that he those who hear his voice, he knows them. Uh, does Jesus not know everything as God? So how is that different that he says he knows them? Does he not know the unbeliever too? Of course, he knows uh, in, uh, since he knows all things, he, he knows the believer, he knows the unbeliever uh, alike by way of uh, his omniscience as God, but he's not talking about that kind of knowledge here. He's talking about a very special kind of knowledge, an intimate knowledge, 
Uh, this kind of knowledge, when he says he knows his sheep, is, an, is a knowing with regard to love, a knowing of love. And so um, to, to know many times in the Bible has this particular idea attached to it, to know with love. Um, in Genesis 4.1, it says that Adam knew his wife Eve in a special, in a way he didn't know, I mean, Eve was the only woman at that point, but after there were other women on the face of the earth, he still only knew Eve because he loved her and he had an intimate knowledge of her in particular. And so when we read here in John 10, 27, that Jesus says he knows us who hear his voice with faith and repentance, that ought to warm the heart of all of us. Jesus knows me in a way that he doesn't know my neighbor who, who is not a believer, who does not trust him, who has not heard the voice of Jesus uh, uh, by way of his word and, and, and that word taking root in uh, that person's heart. He knows me in an intimate way. He knows me with, with a kind of knowledge of love, an everlasting love. That's the kind of knowledge that Jesus has uh, of those who are his sheep. <clears throat> Amos 3.2 likewise speaks of this same kind of knowledge. In Amos 3.2, God says to his people, you only have I known of all the families of the earth. You only. Does that mean that God is not omniscient with regard to any other families? No, he's saying, I know you, my people Israel, in a way I don't know uh, other uh, families and other people throughout the world because I have a love for you that I don't have for all of the others because I have redeemed you. I have called you unto myself to be my bride, my special bride, to be united to me. And so there is that special knowledge. Galatians uh, 4, 9 speaks likewise of this, this kind of knowledge, this special kind of knowledge that God has of his bride, of his people. <clears throat> but now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God. So here, Paul says to the Galatian believers, first he says, after that ye have known God, after you have come to know God by way of your faith and trust in him, and he says, rather, what actually happened, it wasn't that we first knew him, but rather he first knew us. And we only know him because he first knew us in love. Because he says, but now after that ye have known God, or rather, are known of God, known by God. 
That's the cause. That's, that's the reason why we come to know God is because he first knew us in love. And he knew us from all eternity in love. He set his love upon us. In Romans 8, 29, this very idea of foreknowing that God foreknew us doesn't mean that he was just aware of us. To foreknow from eternity is to forelove us with that kind of knowledge from all eternity. It says in verse 29, For whom he, that is God, did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This, this verse is not saying that God was simply aware of us and therefore he predestinated us. It's saying that he foreloved us. He loved us and then he predestinated us to be conformed to Christ's image from all eternity. He knew us with love. He set his love upon us. Why he didn't set his love upon every single person in the same way he set his love upon us, that's... that's uh, a mystery uh, that's hidden in God. I, I don't know. I'm not God. But I'm just thankful that he set his love upon me from all eternity. Because he didn't have to set his love upon me. But he chose to do so. He set his love upon me, unworthy as I am. He set his love upon me to save me and to rescue me. I'm no better than the person upon whom he didn't set his love. I deserve the same wrath and condemnation as the next person, but he set his love upon me in his mercy. That's what that verse is saying, for whom he did for love, them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So Jesus knows you individually and personally, you who are his sheep. He knows you individually and personally with knowledge of infinite love, everlasting love that sent his son to die for you because he loved you. We also see back to John chapter 10, verse 27, a second characteristic. First, remember, characteristic of his true sheep is that they hear his voice. Second, they follow me, Jesus says. They follow me. In other words, uh, that characteristic that evidences that we are, again, Christ's sheep, is that we want to follow him. We endeavor uh, to walk according to his truth, his gospel. His commandments. Um, we want to please him. Uh, we desire to do that. That's, that's something implanted in the heart of every true believer. They want to do this. John 14, 15, Jesus, you recall, says, If ye love me, keep my commandments. And again, uh, we're not perfect, we're not sinless uh, sheep. Uh, we've been washed 
uh, and cleansed of our sin by the Lord Jesus Christ, and we still, uh, we still do sin against him, but even when we sin, the response of a, of a true sheep of Christ is that we can't stay there in that unrepentance. And we, we, we say, this is, this is not where Christ would have me to be. I, I, I have this w- within me that I want to walk after his footsteps to please him. I don't want to continue in this sin. Again, that's a, that's a, a glorious work of God's grace in our, in our lives. Um, and, you know, we see the evidence of that in, say, the life of David uh, in his sin with Bathsheba. Uh, he, he, in his penitential psalms, he's miserable. He's saying, the hand of God was heavy upon me. My strength was taken from me. My, it was like my bones were broken. Um, that God brought such weight uh, upon him because he would not repent. Uh, he finally did, and that obviously was lifted, but there were even consequences that followed by way of the taking of that child, that child that was conceived uh, by way of uh, his sin with Bathsheba. And so again, uh, you know, the Proverbs, uh, Solomon says that the righteous man falls seven times, but rises again. The wicked falls and doesn't rise. And so again, uh, uh, evidence is that uh, of those who are his true sheep is that they do arise again. They do repent. They do seek to walk uh, in the ways of the Lord. Uh, they follow Christ. That's their desire. Even when they fail, that's their desire. That's what they want to do. And that's why they repent. And so Christ's true sheep don't follow the Lord Jesus Christ um, reluctantly. They don't follow the Lord Jesus Christ begrudgingly. You know, they don't, they don't say, uh, I don't know if I want to be a Christian um, because, um, I mean, we can all say these things, but again, uh, the the... The true sheep of Christ recognize that even saying it is is wrong, and uh, they repent of that. But again, those who are not as true sheep, they they say this is just too hard uh, to be a Christian, and they just kind of leave it. Uh, they walk away from it because is they they say um, I I don't have any, I can't enjoy the world like I once enjoyed the world. I can't enjoy the pleasures that I once enjoyed when they lived in sin. Uh, uh, because if, again, uh, we are walking the ways of the Lord, um, uh, there is going to be a different attitude toward the world, the pleasures of the world, the things that we used to before becoming a Christian that we immersed ourselves in. We're going to think differently. We're going to speak differently. We're going to act differently. And we're going to be convicted when we bring dishonor upon the name of the Lord. We won't be able to walk with those same friends that perhaps we once walked with and enjoy the same things that they now 
invite us to come back and to enjoy those things and to, to do um, uh, the things that we once did with them, the parties, uh, the pleasures, all of those things. Um, they're going to have, there's going to be a difference um, to the true sheep. It's not a, it's not a, a burden. It's not a burden that we have to bear, a heavy burden. Oh, I have to obey the Lord. I have to keep his commandments. Oh, how weighty this is. I can't, I can hardly tolerate this. You know, it's a stand. It's that, that's not the attitude of, of, a, of a true sheep. Uh, and if it is, you know, and we are a true sheep, again, we'll be convicted when we have that kind of a, a attitude. When we... When we just uh, uh, when we say those types of things or think those types of things, we won't be able to continue thinking that way and acting that way. It's going to the Lord is going to convict us and say, "What are you in effect? What are you talking about? Look at all I have given to you." He's going to remind us of all the promises, all the inheritance that is ours in Christ Jesus, and what He gave up, what He sacrificed. Not what we've had to sacrifice. Our sacrifice is so small compared to what Jesus was willing to sacrifice in order to rescue us and to save us. And so we have a duty to follow the Lord Jesus Christ because he commands us to do so. He's Lord. He has a right to command us to follow him. <clears throat> but as his sheep... We move beyond a mere duty uh, in walking after Christ and following Christ. We, we move beyond it being a mere duty to walking after him because we love him. Again, love for Christ uh, changes our whole attitude with regard to following Christ. Uh, just like in a home, love of a husband for a wife changes the way that a husband treats a wife and, and the desires that a husband has to please his wife. Likewise, for a wife, when she's motivated by love, it changes her, it, it's no longer a burden to serve her husband. Uh, children and parents when there is love there, it's not a burden to be obedient to your parents when there's true love. Likewise with parents, it's not a, a burden to provide for your children, to care for your children, to teach and instruct your children in the right ways when you love them, when you truly love them. So again, it changes our whole a way of our walking when it's not mere duty certainly we ought to always <clears throat> consider that God commands us to do these things but as Christians we move beyond it being only a duty that this is a delight that I have the privilege of serving obeying and walking in the footsteps of the Lord Jesus Christ Verse 28, <clears throat> Jesus says, And I give unto them 
<clears throat> that is unto the sheep, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Here Jesus uh, promises uh, by way of blessing and by way of his, our inheritance. And he, uh, being the eternal God, second person of the Holy Trinity, uh, he cannot lie. He says that he gives his sheep eternal life. He gives unto them everlasting life. Now, life that is eternal cannot end. If he gives eternal life, then that's a life that cannot be taken away. It wouldn't be eternal. If he could give the life and we could do something that would take the life away, then it, it's not eternal. It's not et eternal life. It, it, it would be temporary life. If, if, again, we could do something to end that life ourselves. The, the life that, he, that Jesus says he gives here, and it's he that gives it, which means if he gives eternal life, he must be eternal. Um, uh, one who is not eternal cannot give that which is eternal. Uh, and so that, again, only God can give eternal life. So this is, again, a, a way of demonstrating or evidencing that Jesus Christ is not only uh, a man, he's fully man, he's the son of man, but he's also God, fully God. Otherwise, how could he give eternal life? <clears throat> Jesus does not say that he shall uh, give eternal life sometime in the future to a sheep. He says, it's in the present tense, and I give, not I shall give, unto them eternal life, but I give now, presently, I give unto them eternal life. So, when does eternal life begin? With the believer, those who are true sheep of Jesus Christ, it begins as soon as they trust in Jesus. Jesus gives them eternal life. It's not something that they shall, again, that they're waiting to receive, even though, again, we're mortal, our, our, our Outward bodies are going to die, uh, and uh, we will then, you know, be with the Lord Jesus. Our souls will uh, be with the Lord Jesus immediately after that time, um, and continue until the resurrection. But uh, he's talking about something here uh, that we immediately have. There's a He's talking here about the uh, quality of life that we, when we believe that we have uh, this quality of life that shall never, ever perish. Not death, not condemnation, uh, but life. We pass, Jesus says in John 5, 24, we pass from death into life when we believe. So we've, we've moved from death row which we're all on, we're all condemned, we all stood condemned, and we are in death row. Um, the judge, uh, the sentence against us was 
condemned because of our sin. And when we believe and trust in Jesus uh, to bear, to have borne our sin on the cross, then the sentence is changed from death, condemned, to life at that point forevermore. That's the, that's the sentence, uh, is life, everlasting life. They, Jesus here, speaking of eternal life, again, he says, um, verse 28, and they shall never perish. They shall, not talking physically, because we all will perish physically, so he's saying that they will never perish spiritually. Never. And he emphasizes the fact that they will never per perish spiritually by using the, the strongest form of negation. Uh, it's a, a double negative in the Greek language. The two negatives, u and me, he uses them together. U, me. They will not, not, they will not ever, the King James says, they will never, but it's again, it's, it's a double negative. They will not ever perish spiritually. Those to whom he gives eternal life. This is showing the impossibility of even one true sheep of Christ going to hell. Impossibility. It cannot happen. Those who truly believe in Jesus Christ, those who are his sheep, will not perish. The Lord Jesus then declares that why this is an impossibility. He says, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand because in order for someone who is truly his sheep to go to hell would have to be taken out of his almighty hand. And Jesus is saying, I'm God. No one can take one of my sheep out of my hand. It's impossible. So the present and future possession of eternal life does not ultimately depend upon your strength or my strength. Doesn't ultimately depend upon your faithfulness or my faithfulness. It ultimately depends upon his promise and upon his strength, upon his power, when he says, neither shall any man, literally, neither shall uh, uh, anyone pluck them out of my hand. Now somebody, somebody may say, yeah, uh, uh, no other man uh, can pluck us out of the hand of Christ, but you can pluck yourself out of the hand of Christ. So uh, Jesus doesn't leave it open, uh, leave that open uh, to that possibility. He doesn't say, 
uh, neither shall any man, literally he says, again, neither shall any one pluck them out of my hand. So, is Satan and anyone? Uh, are the demons anyone? Uh, are all of the enemies in the world anyone? Uh, am I anyone? So, any created being isn't anyone. And no created being, including ourselves, can pluck ourselves out of the hand of Christ. That's what, the, again, the Lord is saying. Um, it, it, it's all comprehensive, all inclusive, uh, the term there. Neither shall anyone pluck them out of my hand. He could have qualified that if he wanted to. He could have said that no one can pluck you out of my hand except yourself. He could have made those kinds of qualifications had he wanted to make them. No one can pluck you out of, your, out of my hand except uh, Satan. He can. He didn't, uh, he didn't make any such qualification. Uh, it's without any qualification. No one, neither shall any one pluck them out of my hand. Because, again, uh, he, is, he is God. He's the one who's created all things by the word of his power. And uh, he's the one who upholds all things by the word of his power. And Jesus even upholds our faith. The, again, ultimately it depends upon him and his power and his promise but how does, what means does he use? He uses, again, the fact that we uh, will persevere in trusting him. Why do we persevere in trusting him as his sheep? Because he gives us the grace of perseverance. We wouldn't persevere, we wouldn't continue to trust him if it wasn't the fact that he gave us that grace to persevere in trusting him. We would cast away our first profession. We would cast it away in the midst of the trials. Think about trials that you have gone through in your life. You, if it wasn't for the fact that Jesus was upholding you and your faith in him, and me likewise in the trials I've gone through, I wouldn't be trusting him. I, can, I can't take any credit for the fact that I continue to trust in him. That is his work. He receives the glory for that. Peter would have um, not only denied the Lord, but he would not have come back to the Lord. Jesus told Peter the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas and there in the garden, the Lord Jesus told Peter that he was going to deny him three times. And Peter said, no, no, that's not going to happen, Lord. If, if, if I have to die for you, I'm not going to deny you. And the Lord Jesus said in Luke 22, verses 31 through 32, that Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. Jesus says, I've prayed for you that your faith would not fail. That's the reason, that's the only reason why Peter's faith did not fail 
in that trial was because Jesus prayed that his faith would not fail. Jesus prayed for, and his prayers are always um, efficacious. Jesus always prays according to the will of God. And because Jesus prayed that his faith would not fail, it didn't. He repented. He saw what he had done. He wept when he saw the Lord Jesus there after he denied the Lord the third time. He was weeping over what he had done. Jesus prays for every one of his sheep. Everyone. Peter is not, not unique in that sense. Jesus, it says he ever lives to make intercession for us. That's what he's doing in heaven. He is praying for his sheep all of the time that their faith would not fail. And that's why, again, and that's the only reason why my faith has not failed, uh, that I've cast it aside, that I've, that I've turned against the Lord and not repented of my sin in the midst of uh, trials. That's the only reason you have not. And so again, uh, it's Jesus that ultimately upholds our faith to believe in him and trust in him. <coughs> if those who professed to be a Christian turn away from their profession of faith and they walk contrary to Christ, his gospel, his commandments, and they never repent, it means that they never were truly his sheep. Because all of his sheep, Jesus prays for them, they will repent. They will come to Christ. They will acknowledge that what they have done in, in, by way of sin against him, they will acknowledge their sin. Christ's true sheep will always believe in Jesus Christ. They may stumble. They may fall. They may be at times riddled with doubts. But they will repent. They will again return to the Lord Jesus as Peter did, as David did. Um, Jesus will cause them to persevere to the end. That's what, um, that is what is meant by perseverance uh, in the faith. That, that uh, blessed doctrine of grace uh, it uh, again means that all of God's people, those who are truly His, will uh, not be uh, impenitent in unbelief, turning against uh, the Lord, walking contrary. Again, those are apostates in the Bible. That's what an apostate is one who once professed faith in Christ turns away and becomes the enemy of Christ uh, is in the Bible and uh, is, is an apostate. And um, there are many apostates, um, for sure, who once said that they profess faith and they have turned against it. They, they despise Christ. They despise um, uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ. They want nothing to do with it. Uh, they think it's silly. Uh, they have added all manner of other religions uh, uh, to it. 
God is still able to save those whom he chooses to save even in that situation. Um, but uh, th that is an apostate. That, that's one who was never truly one of Christ's sheep. And so those who boast that they have eternal life while continuing to live in unrepentant sin are really deceiving themselves. For Christ says that his sheep to whom he gives eternal life, they hear him, and secondly, they follow him. Verse 29, My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no one is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. So Jesus says, if anyone questions the might and power of me as the Son uh, of God to give eternal life to a sheep uh, and to preserve that life now and for all eternity, uh, Jesus then adds, well, the Father, the Father himself is, is greater than all. Um, you Jews, he's saying, you Jews acknowledge that the Father is greater than all. And the Father, they cannot pluck their, uh, uh, they cannot pluck the sheep out of the Father's hand. So here, if you, if you would, um, you can't be, Jesus is saying that no one can pluck his sheep out of his hand. No one can pluck Christ's sheep out of the Father's hand. You know, visualize this, that the sheep have the hand of the Son and the hand of the Father around them, the almighty hands of God. Impossible to pluck and to take out of the hand of the Father and of the Son his sheep. Verse 30. I and my Father are one. Here, here is uh, Christ's clear declaration of his deity, that he is fully God. Uh, he says, I and the Father are one. Uh, that is, there's a oneness and there's a sameness of nature of the Father and the Son. Different persons, but they are one as to having the same divine nature. That's, again, what, as we've talked about many times, to be the son of a father, it, biblically speaking, is to have the nature of the father. To be the son of man is to have the nature of man. To be the son of God is to have the nature of God. Jesus is saying, I and the father are one God, we are one and have one nature. Not two separate natures so that there are two gods or three gods, the Father being one God and the Son being one God and the Holy Spirit being one God. That's not what the Bible teaches. There's only one God, not three gods. Three persons who have the same divine nature. Now, I know that, again, for us to conceptualize that, there's, there's no one like God. 
we are finite, he is infinite. There are many things that, again, if I could understand everything about God, then he wouldn't be God. He'd be like me, but he's not like me. He's infinite, he's beyond me. That's why I can't understand him. It, it only stands to reason that the finite cannot uh, fully comprehend and understand the infinite. The temporal, we who have a beginning, cannot fully understand one who never had a beginning. We who are limited in knowledge cannot fully understand one who is not limited in knowledge. We who are in one spot at one time cannot understand one who is everywhere at the same time. So it's like, uh, I believe it was uh, St. Augustine uh, tried to liken us fully understanding God to a child who takes a seashell down to the seashore and tries to put the whole ocean into the seashell. You know, again, then uh, that's just a, that's even an earthly image that fails in comparison because the, the, the sea, the oceans have boundaries. You know, it's not as if the oceans go on and on and on and have no boundaries. God has no boundaries. God has no limitations. So here is Jesus claiming his own deity as equal to that of the Father. And the proof, if anybody, you know, again, um, would question that that's what Jesus is saying here and that's what he meant uh, to say that he was one in nature with the Father, um, the proof of that is that the Jews, in verse 31, it says, then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Why would they stone him if he wasn't claiming that he himself was God and had the same nature as the Father? What they took up stones, the reason they took up stones was because they were, uh, they understood that he had, he had spoken blasphemy. And the, the consequence for speaking blasphemy in the Old Testament was to be stoned. And so they took up stones. Uh, again, it says, not, this wasn't the first time they did so, but they took up stones again uh, because they believed that he had spoken blasphemy and declaring that he was, he was God. John chapter 14, and we'll get to this in a Bible study yet in the future, but God willing. Philip saith unto him, that is one of Christ's disciples, Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. In other words, show us the Father, and that will be sufficient. So Jesus say to him, yeah, I'll, I'll show you the Father. Well, no, Jesus says in verse 9, Have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Because, again, 
the Father is fully God and I'm fully God. To see me, to know me, uh, is to know the Father, is to see the Father as being one God. So as we, as we end the study this evening, just in summary, uh, God gives us fruit in our lives uh, as uh, the fruit of our um, being Christians, the fruit of faith. Uh, he gives us fruit in our lives. Um, that being, again, repentance, uh, love, obedience, uh, the fruit of the, the nine fruit of the Spirit that are mentioned in Galatians 5, uh, verses 22 through 23, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those, God sows those seeds. God implants those fruit within us. And, and so there is fruit that God gives to us. Now, in this life, that fruit is never going to be perfect. Our faith is never going to be perfect. Our repentance is never going to be perfect. Our love is never going to be perfect. Our obedience is never going to be perfect. The fruit of the Spirit uh, is never going to be perfect in our lives. And when we are struggling, and we all do and have as Christians, when we are struggling uh, with assurance, with our assurance that whether we are Christians or not, whether we are truly Christ sheep, when we struggle uh, with assurance, and again, some do more than others, some reach a, a particular point, I think, where you know, uh, uh, assurance is um, something that they no longer wrestle with. Uh, some Christians seem to wrestle with it throughout their life. Um, with regard to whether they are truly one of Christ's sheep. They, that struggle just seems to go on and on and on, and it's terrible. You know, uh, you know I, I've certainly counseled um, over the years those who are just struggling uh, with this matter of assurance. But I, I think that Though there are the fruit that God gives to us, and very often that's where people are looking when they struggle with assurance, is they're looking at the fruit and they're seeing the imperfection of the fruit. And their eyes are focused upon the fruit. They're looking at themselves. The way in which to, I believe, I mean, God does tell us in, in his word that we can look at the fruit and that that is something that can encourage us and comfort us that there is fruit in our lives. And so I'm not discounting that particular uh, evidence in the, in the life of a, one who's a true, truly a sheep of Jesus Christ. But sometimes that, that those evidences of, of uh, faith 
the fruit that we've been talking about. Um, do not encourage and help and comfort because again, they're seeing so much um, imperfection uh, in the fruit. And I, I have to try to encourage people at that point, struggling Christians, those that I truly believe are, 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 are Christians, but they're struggling with assurance. I have to encourage them, look beyond the fruit, look to Christ. Look to Jesus Christ and the fact that he's made a promise that if we believe and trust in him, that he will save us. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's the promise. Jesus says again in John 5, 24, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation but is passed from death into life. He that believeth <coughs> on me, on him that sent me. And so I think we have to again when we become uh, unconvinced, as it were, by way of looking at the fruit in our life, when that doesn't seem all that comforting to us, what we see, then we have to say, I'm not trusting in myself to save me. I'm not trusting in my minister to save me. I'm not trusting in my baptism to save me. I'm not trusting in, in, in anything I can offer to God to save me. I know there's nothing else that can save me. Lord, I'm trusting in Thee and in Thee alone to save me. And that's where we have to rest. That's where, again, we have to say, okay, I, even when I see all my imperfections, all of my, uh, the ways in which I have offended the Lord, but the Lord has promised that if I trust Him, I rest in him that he will save me. And that's where we have to leave it. I believe uh, when we get to that point where all of the other, uh, the fruit that he does have in our life, produce in our life, isn't bringing the comfort, then we have to just go back to his promise and his ability, his promise, he cannot lie. And that's where I have to rest the case. Is, Lord, I can't do anything. I can't save myself. That Thou, our, my God, alone can save me. And Thou has promised to save me if I trust in Jesus Christ alone for my eternal salvation. And that promise is sure and certain regardless of how I feel. We cannot be guided by our feelings. We cannot live our life by our feelings. It would be wonderful if all the time we had you know, those types of zealous um, feelings and desires and, and all um, you know, that will be true of us when we're in heaven 
if we had that all the time here upon the earth, that'd be wonderful. But it, it doesn't happen to any of us. We all struggle and we cannot lean upon our feelings. We have to lean upon his faithfulness to his promise. He said he would save us if we would trust Jesus. And if we ask ourselves, am I trusting in someone else or something else that I know of to save me? And we say, I know there's nothing else or anyone else can save me but Jesus. We can, again, I think by asking those questions, we can uh, assure ourselves and be assured by God that his promise is ever faithful and true. Okay. Let's uh, stand in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank thee for the testimony of thy word. Thy word, Lord, is truth. Thy promises are absolutely certain. And Lord, we can cast ourselves upon thy faithfulness that, that if we trust thee, if we rest in thee and in Christ alone to save us, that thou, Lord, will indeed do what thou hast promised to do. And uh, we thank thee, Lord, uh, that though sometimes we do not even see ourselves and the fruit in our lives at, at certain times because, because of our circumstances we're in, uh, because um, uh, the darkness that has uh, invaded our lives um, and a sense of hopelessness, we, we do not see the fruit that thou has worked within our lives. And we cannot even, uh, in, at such times, uh, trust our own uh, testimony, trust our own ability to see correctly and accurately. But Lord, we, we can cast ourselves upon thy promise. And we can also, because there are all, also those around us who can encourage us that they see fruit in our lives even when we do not see it. And we can also be encouraged by the testimony of others as well. Father, we pray, help those who are struggling. Lord, uh, uh, it is a hard place to be, but even, Lord, in our struggling, Thou art with us. Thou will never let us go. Uh, thou has given to us life eternal. And Jesus is praying for us that our faith would not fail. So help us, our Lord, not to, even in those struggling, doubting times, to continue to look to Christ, not to look to our feelings, not to focus upon ourselves, but to focus upon Jesus and his ability to save, his faithfulness to save and keep his promise. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Any questions uh, from the uh, or comments from the uh, study this evening? Okay. All right, you are dismissed. <laughs>